This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features we give away. So enjoy those. Those other talk show hosts who want to charge you for accessing their site, ours is free. freetalklive.com. Well, it's happening again. First, it was California with the delayed tax refunds. Now it's not just California anymore. According to the AP in Atlanta, Colin Daymood was out of work last year after his business failed and eagerly fired, uh, filed rather his taxes in mid-January, figuring that would make it so he'd get his refund sooner. Makes sense. Yeah, File it does. Early. So generally, if you, uh, I mean, if you file that early, you're liable to get it before the uh, a few fe- weeks later, yeah, usually April fifteenth. Right? Yeah. Of course, we're not talking about federal taxes here. Sure. Well, you know, I'm mean, just assuming. It would normally work that way. I've never lived in a state that had uh, a state income tax, so I, I'm not ex- right. I haven't experienced it before. Except now, uh, the states are having kind of well a little bit of trouble with keeping money in the bank. It took the 44-year-old entrepreneur more than six months to get his $1,300 check, money he needed to li- uh, to pay living expenses, while he worked a few side gigs. Tax day, April 15th, has long since come and gone, but sharp budget cuts and falling revenues have forced many states to delay income tax returns for months and left taxpayers longing for their money. A frustrated Daymood said, I'm just trying to get my money back. It's my money anyways. Well, yeah, it is yours, but you did give it to them. And uh, when you give something to the government, you should just consider yourself lucky if you ever see it again. Tax day, uh, excuse me, some states say plummeting tax collections drove them to hold on to the money so they can make ends meet. You know, they have no obligation to send you the money back. I mean, can you imagine having the kind of revenue that the state has and still not being able to make ends meet? That's how irresponsible these people are with money. Sure. Yeah, I was actually talking about that recently because they raised the New Hampshire meal tax to yeah. 9%, just 1%. That's awful, by the way. It's so It was bad enough at yeah. 8%. And customers, by the way, not so happy. And oh, I was talking it. about it with one of the employees, and they said, oh, so like, what do you get for that? And and I said, well, what I guess tech, Panera, like, what... Why do we charge the meal tax was basically what they were asking. Well, and I said, well, yeah. we don't really get anything out of it except get to for stay in business. Yeah, permission to legally operate a business in a f- supposed free country. I can't remember where I was going with that at all. There was I don't know, point. but it was a great point. I, well, I mean, was, I've liked uh, it so far. What were we talking? <laughs> you were uh, pointing out that uh, bureaucrats are bad at handling Oh, money. well, what I was going to say is that every night when we do the ops, we have to we have to fa- um we have to figure out like how much our computer calculates how much tax we give to them and mm-hmm. and we give 400 something dollars a day and ah. i and i i just ran the the tax report for the month because we have to fax the tax report to like our main offices so that they can handle paying the checks to the states and last month we gave them 13 thousand dollars wow so month one month so times all the businesses in new england I mean, yeah, all the restaurants, tremendous. these people get a ton of money. And the fact that you give me half that much money and I will manage the crap out of it. I'm sorry, yeah, but you wow. just, no. You know, Ed, well, well, for one thing, Julia, you're falling in, you're falling into the trap that, uh, that people have where 
you know, they believe that if they just got their people no, in government. No, I, I'm not actually <laughs> advocating that at all. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just actually, saying, if you tr- give me that much money, I guarantee, like, I just don't understand how you The truth is, can- Julia, you won't. You know, because yeah, after a few years, you'll manage the money. You'll say, you know what? I can do whatever I want. Yeah. These people don't. I, don't let, let's build a statue to one of our politicians. Me, as a matter Julia of fact. Statue. We need a big Julia statue for yes, the birds to poop we on. we do. <laughs> oh, here's the rest of the story. Others are complaining. The states are saying you can't make ends meet. Others complain of not being able to keep up because of the economic downturn that's forced staffing cuts in revenue departments. But critics worry governments are withholding funds that rightly belongs to taxpayers when they need the extra cash the most. And some of the tardy states are fast approaching a stiff deadline of their own. The more they wait, or the longer they wait, the more likely they'll have to pony up interest from thinning state coffers. Interest? They're going to pay interest? What is that supposed to mean? Maybe there are certain... Certain people that have loaned them money, they'd have to pay interest on. But uh, when you, they're not going to pay you interest if you're if they're holding on to uh, your tax re- uh, your tax return. It is a no interest loan to the government. Critics worry that the government's uh, excuse me, the prospect could soon become a reality in Georgia and Alabama, where tax officials are racing to beat a mid July deadline to send hundreds of thousands of tax refunds or ra- risk racking up millions of dollars in interest. Very strange. Well, it may be that uh, when originally when they put together these little income tax laws, that it, there was something that the, Some the government will um, you know, get the money back as, as quickly as reasonably possible, or they will pay interest. I know some of the taxpayers are wondering if the state is going to pay the refunds, uh, the revenue bureaucrat in Alabama, where more than 120,000 taxpayers are waiting for at least $63 million in income tax refunds. You talk with them and assure them they'll get the refund. It's just much slower this year. And if we don't meet the July 15th deadline, then the state will pay interest. It provides them some assurance. I'm surprised at that. In Georgia, tax officials say uh, that more than $320,000 in ret- or 320,000 returns rather still need to be processed. If they aren't complete by July 16th, the state may have to dish out 1% interest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. 1% interest. They made more on the bank account. I wonder what inflation is at this point. State tax officials say it's not an issue of money, but an issue of staffing. They need more bureaucrats, Mark. Yep, yep. They're going to need more bureaucrats, of course. That doesn't make any sense. What doesn't? We don't have enough money to pay you, so we need to hire more people that we have to pay? Well, they're saying they had to cut back on staff because they don't have a lot of money, and because they cut back on staff, you know, they had to cut back. They wouldn't cut back on any of the important stuff like uh, education or police, uh, but they cut back on the tax uh, the tax collector you staff, know, and so now it's taking them longer. Valuable lesson for any anybody listening. Do not depend on your tax refund exactly. for anything. Exactly. So many people do. When your neighbors yeah. couldn't pay rent, they said, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll get, get it. our refund. We'll get our refund. Well, we'll it was a federal back. refund, and the feds can just print it out. So it's not as big of a deal for the feds. It's not as likely the feds are ever going to have to go through this because they'll just turn on the printing presses. But you are right. People should not count on a tax refund. It's it's stolen money, and it's like you got to treat it like found money if it ever comes back right. to you. I file my tax returns because I I at this point in my life I I'm in a position where I work for a company and I have to pay taxes, and I file every year because I figure at least I'm going to get a small chunk of what they already took from me back, mm-hmm. but I don't expect it. And one year they accidentally doubled it, and they did not catch it. 
Uh-oh. They gave me a double refund and didn't catch it. And I'm keeping listening. every... Oh, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> They'll go after you before they go after me, though. Oh, that's <laughs> great. California, which faces a deficit uh, that could top $24.3 billion, may have to issue about $3 billion worth of promissory notes this month to state contractors. We talked about that before. Smaller states have also had trouble. Kansas's Department of Revenue said tax officials are hoping to send out $31 million in refunds next week. But she knows residents are getting anxious Returns average $500 per person. She says, there's just not enough coming in to issue all of our refunds. Tough decisions need to be made. And one of the Wait things that we could she do is hold not, our refunds. She said there's not enough coming in to, to issue the refunds. I thought it was a staffing issue. Well, that was a different state. Okay. Georgia said it's a staffing issue. Kentucky, or rather Kansas, is saying that uh, they, don't they just don't money. have enough money. It quickly became a touchy subject there where thousands of people still haven't gotten refunds. One of the state representatives said that, or senators rather, said he raised an alarm that the state may not be able to make the payments back in August. It's unfair to taxpayers, he said. It's creating a cash flow concern for these people. They rely on tax refunds for a big purchase or to make a house payment. People have already budgeted how that money will be spent. And he's right. That yep. is how Americans live, because a lot of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. They have no understanding of uh, how to uh, – they have no financial intelligence whatsoever. Uh, just as an example, the, uh, the, the tenants I have here at the, in this duplex, nice enough folks, but they have no idea what they're doing when it comes to money. Uh, he had to come over today because I had to change their lease to cash only because they're having trouble paying, uh, paying the bills. And they were asking me to hold this check and hold that check, and it's like, whoa. Yeah, they're I not put having on... trouble making money, by the way. They just right. don't know anything about saving well, money or you know, putting it aside. they need beer and cigarettes, and, uh, you know, the little girl's going to have her karate lessons, and so they've got Rent's their priorities. like the seventh tier yeah. <laughs> of priority. <laughs> so I tried to up it a little bit by making it a cash-only lease, and if they pay late, then I can kick them out after a week, because they've already been late a whole bunch of times with the, the checks. And uh, so today he calls and he says he's got $200 for me. And I said, well, did you want me to take that? Because it's a day early. Yeah, I don't want to spend it. Like if he's got $200 in cash, he'll spend it. That's all he's got. Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Plus, Free Talk Live is brought to you by audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's where you want to go if you want to get yourself a free audio book. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which to choose. Every genre, Audible has it covered. Get a free audiobook download when you sign up today. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com. Slash FTL for your free audio book. All right, so uh, just talking about what a dire situation uh, many of these state governments are in to the point where they are having to withhold uh, to income tax refunds from people. It, it, initially, it was a story just about California, and of course, so goes California, so goes the rest of the nation, uh, and that seems to be the the trend, at least in the in the states that have income taxes. They're all having a – it seems like almost all of them are having a tough time. At least this AP story is focused on a, a number of them, Kansas, Georgia, Alabama, Maryland. Uh, Maryland says they've got about 3,000 filings left. They've dipped into a $366 million reserve account that it's, uh, according to the story, many lawmakers didn't even know existed. <laughs> oh, here's some money. 
And, and uh, we've been bilking Social Security uh, applicants for so long. Missouri, which delayed issuing income tax refunds earlier this year, ultimately decided to use $250 million of their economic stimulus money from the federal government to pay the hundreds of thousands of refunds. So as long as old Fed, uh, the, uh, the, the Fed is there to bail these states out, as long as the federal government is willing to pony up the cash to bail the states out, People will continue to get the uh, the income tax refunds. Of course, that's not going to be good for inflation. I mean, that's that is inflation, the inflating of the money supply, uh, printing up dollars just to just to balance these state budgets, which is, seems to be where things are going. It's going to be an awful mess, isn't it? You know, Julia told me today that she heard, and I don't know uh, what the how accurate this is, but it sounds believable. She heard that in this carbon bill or whatever it is that they're they're looking at doing the cap and trade. Yeah, that they're going to be that they're going to be taxing a gallon of gas like an extra dollar or something crazy like that. What what was it that you'd heard, Julia? Well, that's what I heard, and it 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 came from a local activist here who's the kind of guy who seems to be in the know for that sort of yeah. stuff. So I felt like he knew what he was talking about. I haven't looked it up yet, but I heard that something about it raising the price of gas like a dollar, which. I cannot eat. That would make the price of everything go up instantly. Yeah, dramatically. When I think about where I work, the the price of all the products that we have shipped in I, would have to go up. I've talked to uh, people, you know, the lefty greenies types who, uh, honestly, that you know, that's what they've said is they want to make gas higher. Mm. Because that that way it'll make alternative energy, sustainable energy, clean fuel. It will make it uh, viable. Yeah, and don't forget how much money the government would make if it was a dollar extra uh, per gallon or whatever. I don't think they want the, the person that I was speaking to wanted to uh, um, give the government any more money. They just wanted to make it you know just make it cost more to to you know use gasoline. Well, I don't know if there's truth to it, but if uh, if you've seen the story, let us know. Give us a call. Uh, give us a heads up if if it is true. It sounds believable. I we'll see. I guess over time. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. So there's just a mess of a situation out there with people not even getting the money back that they expected from the tax returns, and it's just going to get worse as the economic uh, situation in this country continues to decline. Uh, state governments are going to have a tougher and tougher time, and next year maybe. Maybe people won't even get their refunds back. Well, sorry, well, you know, hey, we needed it to pay these bills over here. You'll just have to figure out how to make ends meet on your own. Good luck. Yeah. All right, uh, Mark, police brutality. There's more of it uh, as the police state continues to be on the rise and police officers know inherently that they can't really get in trouble for being violent in their jobs. It seems like the uh, It seems like the examples of brutality just keep getting more and more outrageous over time. And this one is... This has got to be a top-of-the-heap story. This is crazy. Pastor Jose Elias Moran was preparing for an early Wednesday prayer service yesterday. That was July 1st. They've been time. beating a lot of pastors recently. Yeah. There was the guy at the Border Patrol that uh, had his, his butt kicked, uh, basically, for no reason. Go ahead. The Iglesia Profetica um, Peniel in Webster, Texas, uh, when he was informed that a member of his congregation had been stopped by the police. Hmm. Out of concern for the church member, Pastor Moran went out to inquire what had happened. As we would do. I mean, if we were um, sitting in downtown Keene here in uh, Vendetta, our favorite uh, little hangout locally, whenever the cops pull somebody over in the central square, uh, activists pour out with the video cameras. And I think they probably have learned now to not ever pull anybody over uh, on Sunday afternoons when we're all hanging out. But uh, this is not an uncommon thing. People that are concerned about their friends 
go up and, uh, and keep an eye on things, except uh, when you're in Texas or wherever it was, things are a little different, I guess. Yep. Um, the, only to have the officer, Raymond Berryman, snarl at him to go back inside. According Now, this is on what I assume of the a public road. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody should be able to stand. They, they tell us that it's our road. Yeah. Can't you just stand there if you feel like it? It's, pub- it's a public thoroughfare. Not if the officer is uncomfortable with right. you. According to witnesses, when Moran tried to explain, I'm the pastor, Berryman grabbed at his shirt. Jeez. According to Berryman's official account, I love, always love these. <laughs> Remember, they, they always say this, you know, they, they, can, they can say whatever they want. Especially if there are no cameras around. According to Berryman's official, official account, Moran pushed him and then fled into the church and returned with four, 40 other congregants. Doesn't that sound like a pastor to you? Give the cop a shove and then come back with uh, 40 church members? Yeah. No. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, Moran, his um, his family, and others present at the scene dispute this version, insisting the pre- pastor never touched the officer. That makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And went inside to enlist some church members to act as witnesses. Good for him. Berryman, Berryman pursued Moran to the doors of the church and began kicking him. Kicking uh, him or the doors? Uh, I guess them. Excuse me. Uh, pursued Moran to the doors of the church and then began kicking them. Got it. As soon as the doors opened... Berryman broke out, the pepper man. broke out the pepper spray and assaulted the congregants. At the time, a second officer who had arrived on the scene, tax feeders, like all other armed bullies specialize in overkill, attacked Pastor Moran, a 42-year-old man with a heart condition, with a taser and arrested him for oh. interfering with a police officer. Wow. The officers likewise threatened to arrest Moran's wife, Maria, after she came to his aid following the taser assault. My husband has a heart condition with an electrocution. Who knows what could happen? Maria points out. Who cares, lady? Get out of here. They treated him as if he were a drug dealer or a sure, murderer. Sure. But he is a pastor that tries to help the community. And it who cares if he's a drug dealer? <laughs> I know that's the bias of the article writer and that drug dealers are like considered in our society to be scum of the earth. But I don't like that statement. That's uh, actually the bias of Moran, uh, Moran's son, Miguel, who witnessed the police right. assault. They treated him like a criminal, I think would be the appropriate way they to say They treated that. him like somebody who didn't bow down. Well, I think that, I think that um, yes, and I think Mor- uh, Moran's son, Miguel, here might be pointing out that I think all these names that I'm hearing are Spanish surnames. I'm suspecting in Texas where, you know, maybe there's some uh, animosity towards Mexican-Americans, mm-hmm. uh, Mexicans, you know, that kind of thing, that maybe these cops, just guessing here, Berryman sounds like a white guy. Yeah. I'm only this total cops. wild speculation that, uh, you know, the way they see the Mexicans are drug, de- um, drug, dealer, drug dealers, criminals, or whatever. Is there a motive story? Yeah, it's, it's very short. 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. I hope this guy ended up okay. Sounds like an awful situation. And uh, I wonder, has there been an investigation? No, but there have been tests on Moran at the hospital. Oh. I wonder what what they'll find out about the officer and his behavior as to whether or not it was okay. Come on. More on the way. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. Yeah, 
show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. Get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Updates. FreeTalkLive.com. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of FreedomsPhoenix.com get every day. Readers of Freedom Fe- FreedomsPhoenix.com are constantly provided with a detailed real news that lies between the lies, lines of propaganda, and the relationship we have with coercive governments. Freedoms Phoenix offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com and sign up for a free daily dispatch. All right, so we're going to continue here. Take your phone calls about what you want and talk to John in Massachusetts. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John in Massachusetts. Going on? Oh, hey, what's up? John, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Um, now I was just watching about Sarah Palin uh, resigning. Um, this kind of seems pretty uh, um, like she knows something that we don't know, you know? I don't no, know I don't if anybody know. else catches that. Isn't it obvious that the Bilderbergers threatened her children? Who cares that Sarah Palin is resigning? What is it? What are you, what are you getting no, at? Maybe she knows there's some kind of disaster that's coming up, and maybe she doesn't want to get involved in it. Maybe she might have some common sense left in her. So it kind of seems pretty uh, out, of, out of out of line to me. Well, so well how would she be up. involved in it anyway? I mean, she's just a governor. It's not like she's going to be out throwing sandbags or something like that. If there's some so what sort is the of reason disaster, of, uh, her resigning just so suddenly? Who it's cares? Not. Maybe she's bored of the job. I don't know. I don't really see what the big deal is. It's just another politician leaving uh, her her position. And uh, it just seems fishy, that's all. Okay. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, that's about it. All right. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Whoopie-doo. 1-800-259-9231. Let's get back to uh, an issue that matters. Uh, here's Richard, his email about suicide, doctor-assisted suicide. We've talked about it on the show in the past, and I suggested that I suggested that I thought that most people that were against suicide, doctor-assisted suicide were against it because of religious reasons. And he decided to outline five different reasons why he personally is against doctor-assisted suicide, and none of them have to do with religion. So I'm going to go down this list. Number one, I oppose doctor-assisted suicide for these reasons. Number one, allowing people to own their body would open the door for a person to sell their organs. What's wrong with that, you ask? I can donate my organs. Why can't I sell them and make a buck or two? Well, for several reasons. Excellent question. Until now, medical research companies, many small-time operations, have relied on donations to make some of the medical breakthroughs that have led to modern medicines uh, capable of curing diseases we would have never expected. However, forcing these companies to pay vast amounts of money for organs, tissue, etc. would drain their research budgets and restrict the number and scope of projects these companies would otherwise undertake. Further, companies would be forced to show they have the rights to certain tissues or organs, etc. to conduct research or to receive a patent. This would further slow down an already slow process. I'm not sure how it is that, that uh, being able to sell organs would force a company to pay vast amounts of money. As far as um, for patents, I I miss the the correlation between patents and uh, and you know organ you know being able to sell your organs. He's saying that uh, that uh, that companies, medical research companies, have relied on donations in order to make their medical breakthroughs. And he's saying that if people could sell their organs, then they'd have to pay, and that would cost them big money. I don't know that it necessarily would cost them big money, uh, but you know maybe maybe it would. 
I, I just don't know. Uh, well, it seems to me that if people were, were, first of all, you can sell your organs on the black market if you're in the right place. Doctor assisted suicide has what to do with selling your organs? I think we're obfuscating as it were. I mean, doctor assisted suicide has absolutely nothing to do with selling your organs. However, I think that they're your organs. You should be able to sell them if you want. Well, yeah. I mean, are you going to put somebody in a jail cell if they try to sell their organs? Again, we're talking about something that's a completely consensual act. And let's not forget that the money that uh, people get for selling their organs will go to likely paying debt on their estate mm-hmm. or um, and or, uh, you know, it'll be given to heirs who then want well, you know, act like spend like they just won the lottery. So it's it's really going to stir the economic pool. I don't know. And, and, and the idea of protecting big pharma's, uh, uh, you know, and, and big medicines uh, you know, cornered market really is disgusting to me because you know the medical industry is completely uh, controlled by a union uh, the 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 AMA uh, the doctors union as it were I I'm sorry it's it's no I don't. Yeah, that that's really looking at a minute section of the uh, the whole puzzle. It's not going to force anybody to buy the organs if companies have been doing business on donated organs. It's not like people. Everybody is going to sell their organs, uh, and if everybody does decide to sell their organs after that, they won't be worth very much anymore, right? It'll, yeah, right. It'll increase the um, the market on it. Right. So uh, if a company is currently not having to pay money for organs, that likely there will still be organs donated to them because people care about medical research and that sort of thing. I don't think so. And otherwise, the marketplace will, will pay whatever the organs are worth. If the organs are worth a lot, then they'll pay a lot, and if they're not, then they won't. If people were allowed to sell their organs, then suddenly um, you'd see you would see a lot of people selling their their families uh dead loved ones organs uh after they died so there would be there would be a lot of organs out there that would be available but you drive know, the price down it, it likely it would increase the availability of organs at this point because a lot of people just don't donate because they're not motivated they're not incentivized to point. donate Number two, allowing people to sell their organs would open the door to numerous human rights implications. Once a person can make $50,000 for a kidney, what's to stop someone from trolling the streets, murdering homeless people for their valuable organs? Sure, procedures would still be in place to prevent this, but it's bound to happen. Further, if you're able to sell your body, people in desperate situations may be forced to sell their bodies. I'm sure homeless people's kidneys are in great shape. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a really good point because... You wouldn't be able to, I mean, if you were able to sell your organs to some sort of organization, they would absolutely want to know that they Where were in tip-top shape. Yeah. yeah. Right. They might also want to know that it's uh, somebody who actually decided to sell their organs instead of being murdered in a back alley and, and thrown in a bathtub. And if it, was, if it was your job to catch murderers, wouldn't the place that you go uh, be, you know, <laughs> the place that they sell organs? Yeah. I mean, where did you get this kidney, Mr. Edge? You know, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, doesn't that sound like a pretty obvious question? Yeah. I don't see any stitches on your back, sir. Where did you get this kidney? Oh, I found it on the street. Yeah. Hey, come on. Yeah, there's going to be... What? Most, I would think most up-and-up companies would want to see a paper trail. They would want to know that there was some sort of legitimacy behind the organs that they were being sold. And if they didn't want that, then they could just buy organs on the black market. And what's stopping that from happening today? There's not a damn thing stopping anybody from going around abducting homeless people, slicing their organs out, and selling them on the black market. There are There is an organ black market. I don't know how active it is here in America, but it does happen in other places from what I understand. So nothing's stopping that. Do you have collateral to put down for a house, says Richard? Just use your kidneys. Then if you lose your house, the bank can repo your kidneys and get back their investment. 
Surely companies would recognize that many people will not sell their most vital organs, so perhaps they give you 500000 now and allow you to live the next 10 years. When the 10 years expires, they show up and harvest your organs. Sounds far-fetched, right? But you sign the contract. Your body's nothing more than an asset, so why can't you contract to sell your body? I think you should be able to. I agree. I don't think there's $500,000 inside of anybody in organs. Sorry, I just don't believe it's tr- it's possible, unless they inflate the currency to the point that the mm-hmm. dollar's crap. Yeah, and then $500,000 buy if you a every, teacup. If everybody can go out and, and sell their corneas and their heart and, and their skin and whatever for $500,000, mm-hmm. we're going to be a bunch of rich people on, on, a, on a term plan where uh, 20 years from now the company gets to collect it. So what? Plus there's also the competitive factor that I don't think we've even discussed yet, and that is that they're getting to the point with stem cells and cloning and nanotechnology and uh, bio research and things like that where they'll be able to grow organs from scratch. I mean, aren't they already there? Can't they already they're, do that? They're getting pretty close. Yeah, so so then the question will become, well, do you want it natural or do you want it artificial? I mean, will the will the who ones will you're want pulling... Arti- who will want a natural one? Who? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there could all kinds of be impurities well, and things like that. Well, there are people that are really into natural things. Sure. And, like people who don't like genetically grown food and stuff like that probably wouldn't like genetically grown organs. But, yeah, I'll but take I'm... a... Odds are good a genetically uh, c- created organ is going to be more, I guess, uh, perfect, more compatible. Do you for want the body. one from the guy who smoked cigarettes? Do you want one that we grow, uh, grew nice and pink and fresh for you? <laughs> the old hobo. Uh, there's more. He's got a few more points as to why he opposes doctor-assisted suicide. More on the way here. You can bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show if you take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You enjoy this program, you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, bring more internet listeners on board, ex- uh, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. You get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, and more. Uh, go to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up. That's amp.freetalklive.com. As we go, I'm going to interrupt the email here because he's got several points. We've been through two of the five points on why Richard, our emailer, opposes doctor-assisted suicide for non-religious reasons. Yes, but uh, none of the points have anything to do with doctor-assisted suicide. So far, they've all been about organs. About selling organs. Well, I guess yeah, he believes he that... really the email is really about self ownership and why he thinks that we shouldn't be able to to own yourself. Exactly. It hasn't. I haven't heard anything about doctor assisted suicide. He's, True, but he's... it's been something worth talking about. Yeah, so... it's, it's, it's interesting. Brings up interesting points, even though it's not related to what he was talking about. I think he's he's kind of uh, stepping through the the logic that if doctor assisted suicide were legal, that uh, maybe presumably that also means that. Selling organs would be legal, and one could get a really doctor-assisted your... suicide to sell one's organs and, and you know help their family or something. If you were able to kill yourself, then that would show that you really own yourself. And if you really owned yourself, you'd be able to sell your organs, so you can't really own yourself, right. is what he's saying. Well, we're going to get back to Maybe. it. There, he's got three more points uh, to make. Let's talk first, though, to Larry in Maine. Larry, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hi, guys. Hey, Larry. Uh, I uh, have been listening to you guys talk about health care the last few days. And so I wanted to share a story when, uh, about when I lived overseas. Okay. And um, I lived in Southeast Asia for a couple of years, and I had to go to a hospital for migraines. Mm. And I called um, one morning to, to the hospital. It was the, 
the best in the city and asked for an appointment, and they said that they uh, didn't need them. So, so I went ahead and went over and uh, saw a doctor, and he sent me down um, that day for a uh, CAT scan. Now, where was and this? Then, Which country was this? This was in Bangkok. Bangkok. Okay. That's, is yeah, that Thailand so, or China? Uh, Thailand. <laughs> it's an oriental Thailand. city. Yep. Yep. All right. So, so went to the doctor, went down for a CAT scan, went back up and talked to the doctor, uh, got prescriptions, and um, the whole thing was 80 bucks. Hmm. Okay. Uh, all in one day. That's amazing. So, it, it is. I, I was surprised. And the other interesting thing about that is that uh, that was the first year I was there. The second year I was there, um, my wife and I got some insurance, but the insurance doesn't work the same way that it does here mm-hmm. in that we we pay everything over a certain amount. So, like, it's sort of a, a uh, reverse, um, what do you call them? Copay. Yeah. So the insurance company paid like the first $100 or something like that for a procedure, and then the patient pays everything over that. Huh. And the majority of the time, something never costs over $100. So the patient doesn't usually have to pay anything. You follow me? Uh, yeah, I'm following you. It's very interesting. No, it's in um, the... You know, the government isn't, if you look online, you know, Thailand's one of the freest countries around. Is and that true? Just, uh, yeah, it's up there. Okay. I mean, they definitely have some issues, but they're, like, on... Don't they have a government-run healthcare system uh, in Thailand? No. No? I mean, they may have some government hospitals, but they, mm-hmm. have, they have private hospitals also. Hmm, okay. So you and, went to a and, private hospital? Yes. Yeah. And these doctors, I mean, if, if you look up medical tourism, you know, in Thailand, if you were to type that in, you you would have all kinds of hits and stuff. People go there for all kinds of stuff. They're American-trained doctors. Um, There'll be a lot know, more I, of that coming soon if uh, the United States decides to go in a universal health care direction. If, if, they can, if people in the U.S. can get, uh, can get treated in a, uh, in, a, in a fast basis in another country, they'll spend whatever it takes to get over there, I imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, you figure a ticket over there is a couple grand... If you go over there for a procedure that's going to cost ten or fifteen thousand here, you're going to end up saving money and have a vacation. I mean, that's what people do. Well, people would go because they wouldn't be able to get the damn procedure here because it would be a, a universal <laughs> health care situation. But yeah, I mean, if you could just save money doing it too, that would be great as well. So yeah, in- yeah. interesting. Uh, it no, does it, say here in in uh, Wikipedia that Thailand introduced universal coverage reforms. In 2001, um, becoming one of only a handful of lower-middle-income countries to do so, means-tested health care for low-income households was replaced by a new and more comprehensive insurance scheme. People joining the scheme receive a gold card, which allows them to access health care services in their health district and, if necessary, be referred for specialist treatment elsewhere. The bulk of the finance comes from public revenues. So it looks like there is some sort of universal health care thing going on there, but clearly you paid cash. That's actually cash. about the year I was there, so you, you maybe pa- it... You paid cash, uh, so yeah, I who did. knows? Maybe they changed it after you left. Uh, hard to say. But interesting well, there, story nonetheless. There are two major um, private hospitals there in Bangkok, and, and uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they have accepted 
that program, too. Maybe they're part of it also. Here's now. a little bit more from Wikipedia. According to the World Health Organization, 65% of Thailand's health care expenditure came from the government, while 35% was from private sources. So not too yeah. different from the United States. Here it's like 50-something percent from the government, the remainder from private uh, private sources. So a, uh, another semi-private, semi-government system. But because the, the it's probably just uh, cheaper to live in Thailand than it is in the United States, things might be cheaper there. Yeah, and I'm wondering too. Um, I, I I did not know that, but I think that um, the uh, private hospitals would probably be for quote unquote wealthier people, and most Westerners would be considered wealthy over there. And I so maybe so. that's that's where I got into it. But the fact is that the um, you know a lot of Americans think that they have the best healthcare in the world, <laughs> and it's just it's just not true. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I think for the wealthiest of Americans, I think that probably is true, but. Not yep. for the rest of us, you right. know. I, th- I think you're probably right about that, Larry. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing you from bet. you. Let's talk to Francisco in New Jersey. You're on Free Talk Live, Francisco. Francisco, Hello. you are on the air. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you, uh, Ian, especially about, uh, I know you get a lot of calls about Linux and why you should use Linux, but I kind of wanted to talk to you about um, the Linux philosophy. Thank God we don't get a lot of calls about Linux. It would be <laughs> awful if we did. Go ahead. The Linux philosophy, it's kind of a lot like the uh, freedom philosophy, if you will. Because uh, if, you, if you wanted a recommendation on a movie, uh, Revolution OS, it's um, just a documentary about uh, free software and uh, general public license uh, by GNU. And I just want to talk to you about how, um, you know, um, Stallman, Richard Stallman, the, the man who created the general public license for GNU, uh, talks more about what is GNU. GNU is uh, it's called GNU is not Linux. It's uh, basically how a part of Linux, if you will. It's kind of hard to explain in non-technical terms, but it's um, let's just say it's open software. Okay. The basics of an operating system. And what he talks about is uh, in the general public license about how um, companies, let's say. If you were to adopt Linux or uh, GNU as your um, software for a business, he recommends that uh, other businesses start to uh, create a free market in support for the Linux software. So let's say you started a business and you wanted, you know, um, you know, a cashier operating system to run on your computers or mm-hmm. whatever, and you decided to go with Linux or uh, something open source instead of, you know, a uh, regular market alternative, something like Microsoft, um, that businesses should be able to start and should start to provide support for those businesses. Support? Like, uh, well, it's my understanding that Linux already has support. Like, you can go and pay for support, like where you can can call and ask questions and stuff like that, right? Yeah. What what, uh, uh, Mr. Stallman thought about was uh, a business that you would pay to provide you uh, more or less business support to say you have a problem and you need it fixed right away uh-huh. instead of paying an in-house developer to help you you know with your software problem you would hire a company that's uh, always at the ready to help you if you have a problem doesn't and, that uh, exist i mean isn't that out yeah, there are a lot of companies that exist to do that with linux okay. i mean that was his that was the general idea with linux to have more of um, a free market in, in uh, software 
You know, yeah, so. I mean, well, I, I love the idea of open source software. I don't think anybody has to convince me on that. I'm all in favor of it. I mean, it, it, allowing... it just has to work, and that's the problem. Uh, for a lot of it works pretty well. No, I'm, my wife Firefox is, is my open wife source. is using the new uh, the, the new Ubuntu for, uh, you know what netbook yeah. uh, version or whatever, mm-hmm. and files are getting lost. Uh, she is every time she oh, uses no. the computer, she yells at me as though I've had something oh, no. to do with it. I I suggested she add it on there because it would have made things easier as far as you know not having to buy uh, uh, you know Microsoft Office Office now it's my fault thanks Francisco for the call appreciate it I like the idea of open source it makes sense to me now we're two coming up attention all active duty members and veterans of the US military your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We will continue to take your phone calls about absolutely anything. Start things out by going overseas to Frederick in Europe. You're on Free Talk Live, Frederick. Hello, thank you. Uh, I'd like to talk about uh, international free staters. Yes, uh, free state project. Um, how many is... international free staters have uh, moved to New Hampshire uh, now? I have no idea. I don't think I've met one personally. I've uh, met a Frenchman who uh, moved here. He's a member of the Free State Project. He moved here, but he had to go back for some kind of visa reasons. So mm-hmm. he's not huh. currently in the uh, in the Free in New Hampshire, but uh, he's okay. you know, he moved and he intends to come back. Let's explain briefly uh, for our new listeners what a Free State Project is. Uh, but Frederick, how would you explain it? Um, <laughs> Liberty-loving people moving to New Hampshire yep. um, and getting active. Uh, that's, yeah, that's an important factor. Exactly. Uh, and that, uh, regarding th- that uh, visa thingy, uh, that's actually my, my second question. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the safest or, or best course of action to move to New Hampshire if you're, if you're not an American? Um, yeah. What is the safest course of action to move to New Hampshire if you're I not mean, an American? How, how, how would, uh, if, if, um, if someone like me, a Swede, uh, mm-hmm. were to move to New Hampshire... Uh, I mean, I don't want to get any problems with uh, visas or uh, getting thrown out of the country or anything like that. I have no idea yeah. what the immigration bureaucracy is like. I know it's not easy. I've read a lot on on, um, uh, on the net and also on the uh, Free Staters uh, website, but uh, uh, I can't really find uh, anything. Uh, you're you're asking how to do it legally. 
I don't really care about the legality. I mean, just well, the no. safest route. If it's possible to move there and just, I mean, if, if I could, um, let, let's say that I, I decided to move to New Hampshire. Uh, if it's uh, possible, uh, I'd rather much not have a, I mean, not have a, a, an American passport and just move. But yeah. I don't think, don't you think we would get, uh, I mean, don't you think uh, a person that does that would get, thrown out i don't know it would depend on if you came to their attention or not i mean if you moved here and, and i don't know a lot about what the ins and outs are of being able to fly under the radar but obviously there are a number of people that do fly under the radar i used to know somebody who now when i lived down in florida i used to know somebody who had moved from ireland and had completely overstayed his visa or whatever i think he i think he'd gotten a visa and then overstated and you know they just once you once you disappear off their radar they've no real way of picking you up i mean if you're working sort of an underground profession i don't know yeah, what that would be uh, that's the thing my 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 work is is uh, totally on the net i mean i can be yeah. i can literally be anywhere uh, i don't have to uh, uh, i was uh, in another city just uh, a week ago how would you handle like a the week and i i worked there with my laptop so frederick how would you handle like banking uh, how would you deal with that uh, no problem i mean it's if you have enough money you can get a bank account literally anywhere so well, I suppose yeah. I suppose that's true. I, I mean, I don't know what I know that they've cracked down after the Patriot Act on uh, getting more information from people that want to open bank accounts around here. Of course, you could always have some sort of go-between. I'm sure there are uh, more than I'm sure there are more than a few free staters who'd be willing to to be kind of like a, a an interface, if you will, for a legitimate bank account. I don't know. You'd have to find someone who's trustworthy, obviously, in order to do that. But I imagine there are a number of people who'd be willing to step up and help out. Uh, or if yeah. you could figure out how a way to have your own bank account without necessarily leading to who you are and where you are and uh, to where the the authorities could they come have after internet you. banks. Yeah, they do have internet banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, uh, it it can't be that hard to get uh, like uh, an international visa or something and just then just uh, use cash as much as possible. What I would love to to have happen is for somebody to to actually go through with this and then report on their success and or not or not uh, whatever the whatever ends up happening. But you know, as long as you aren't popping up on the uh, the system's radar, whether it be through having a job job uh, where you need yeah. to have some sort of paperwork. That, that, that's the second problem. I mean, uh, if say if if uh, if uh, someone were to do this um, and and then. Uh, start doing civil disobedience, like um, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, if you were going to do and civil disobedience, what, what are they going to do if you? I mean, if you come there and you talk, uh, I don't mean to say that I'm uh, I talk uh, flawless English, but yeah. I mean it can't be that hard to learn uh, the dialect and and uh, uh, so on. But oh, you'll, say, probably, uh, you'll probably you'll uh, probably sound like a foreigner. Theater, move to to New Hampshire and. Uh, Started doing civil disobedience and just claimed to be a, a paperless uh, American. What are they going? What are they going to do? If they can't identify you, then who knows what they'll do? I mean, they can do anything. Of course, they're the government. So if they decide yeah. that you sound foreign and so therefore you must be foreign and they're <laughs> going to treat you that way, they could put you in some sort of ICE prison. You know, uh, immigration and yeah, customs it's, it's enforcement. Not like I look like, it's not like I look like. Uh, um, a Mexican. Uh, no, or that's true. That's true. Um, so that wouldn't necessarily set any red flags off. No. Uh, so you'd have to keep in mind that anything could happen. That you are, uh, of course, taking a, a, a pretty serious risk. 
but in that, uh, but if you were to be doing civil disobedience and you were to take, for instance, Sam's approach and not identify yourself when they yeah. are, were to arrest you for something like that, then they would eventually, likely, like they did with Sam, let you out because they wouldn't be able. Not with that anything. accent, they're not gonna. Not with that accent. Okay, maybe you're right. I don't know, Mark. Like I said, maybe anything, anything could happen. I, I don't know. It's hard to predict. They can Sounds do anything dangerous they to want. me. Yeah, they can do anything they want to you at any time. So, uh, you know, in, involving yourself in civil disobedience yeah, of course, is a, they're just uh, thugs in costumes. Right, and you're and you're going to paint a target on your back if you're doing civil uh, civil disobedience. I don't know if that's yeah. the right role for somebody who uh, some kind of support role sounds like it to me. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if it's the right role for somebody who's underground. But then on the other hand, they may revoke whatever paperwork you have if you went the legitimate route and yeah, that, did civil I disobedience. I see that problem too. Right. So yeah. uh, you know, if you've got a real uh, desire to do civil disobedience, then what's the worst that would happen? They'd kick you out of the country and you'd be uh, thrown back to um, your country of origin. I mean, what is the worst that would happen? Like sitting um, in a pr- prison cell for a few months? A few months, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but, but, but it would really suck to uh, to get thrown out uh, thrown out of New Hampshire if you started, uh, started a new life there. And, uh, it would. Yeah. I mean, all that. Yeah, none of, this road is not easy. I mean, whether it's uh, – it's certainly not an easy road for people that are from other countries and no. even for regular activists from here in America. It's, it's not easy, especially if you're planning on civil disobedience. Yeah. If you're planning but, on but civil disobedience, you should uh, thrown out of, uh, of America. What, I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, at least you can't get uh, thrown out. Oh, I don't know about that. You can't. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, don't, I wouldn't put it past them uh, eventually to come around to that. <laughs> but either way, it's a tough decision you're, you're, uh, you're looking at uh, any way yeah. you slice it. I mean, I'm not alone. Uh, uh, maybe you, you met uh, the other Frederick that uh, visited the uh, Porkfest. Yep, sure did. Nice guy. Yeah, uh, that's um, a friend from okay. uh, Gothenburg here in Hey, the, the more the merrier. I Whatever it takes to get over here, whatever you end up choosing, uh, you know, share it with us. Share your story. Uh, share it anonymously. You don't have to use your, your real name or anything like that. Uh, yeah. But but I'm sure that if somebody actually c- goes through with it and has success, then that'll encourage other people to do the same. Yeah. Will will they all have success? I don't know. I mean, maybe the, some of them will get popped off and uh, maybe be forced out of the country. I just you have to expect the worst when it comes to these guys. I mean, yeah, these are the I government. Know. They're a gang. They're violent. Uh, they're willing to hurt people. And they have no compunctions against it. So you've got to, just like anybody that's going to participate in civil disobedience, you've got to expect that these people could put you in a jail cell for an indefinite period of time. Yeah. But, but at least, um, I mean, you, uh, the situation regarding freedom, uh, it, uh, every, every time I listen to a program, it's, uh, it sounds as if you, at least you have, um, uh, well, the situation here in Sweden isn't exactly the same as it is in New Hampshire. Sure. Uh, every time uh, you listen to the uh, the radio or turn on the TV, um, <laughs> you hear you hear this uh, news speak about uh, equality and uh, uh, a lot of political. Uh, Well, you're right. I mean, things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse where you are, and things are going to get worse here. So it makes sense to get together with other like-minded people. Obviously, the risk is even higher where you are. But either way, if the the risk of doing nothing is uh, is a pretty risky thing as well, because the state will continue to enlarge and expand. And if what you want if what you want to do is fly under the radar, then there are relatively safe ways to do that. But if you're ready to be an activist, it's always going to be risky. And I thank you for the call tonight. Good luck with your decision. Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam of the show, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Today, businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, utilities, and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who fail to pay their bills. You may believe that this debt is only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all customers pay the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI repositioning companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. See their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, let's continue taking your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. We'll go to Stephen in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hey there. Uh, can you hear me? Hey, yeah. What's on your mind? Hey, great. Um, well, I hope I can get this out. I, I, I should have taken notes because it's been a long time. Uh, but a while back, like a long time, maybe a year or two years ago, Mark was debating with somebody on the show and said that uh, uh, taxation was a form of slavery and agreed. And Mark said, okay, if, uh, if, if you're working and I'm taking 100% of your, uh, the fruits of your labor, what are you? And the guy said, well, I'm a slave. And, he, and Mark said, okay, if I'm taking half of the fruits of your labor, what are you? Well, he's half enslaved, I guess. Uh, so he's a, he's a slave somewhat. And I thought, well, this is, uh, that's pretty good. So I was, I was engaged in a debate on an Internet forum trying to spread the message of liberty through, uh, through debating, <laughs> which is how I finally ended up getting it, by the way. Hmm. And, uh, and I thought I'd bring this up and, you know, use Mark's argument and the and the guy I was talking with said, uh, well, um, you know, uh, it, don't you believe in some small modicum of government? You know, don't you believe the government needs to be there for, you know, the military and police and justice system, things like that? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, so in other words, you think that some small amount of slavery is okay? He busted you. Yeah. And what could I say to that? And, and so I, I kind of went into hibernation for a long time. And when I came out of it, I was a, whatever you want to say it, voluntarist. The terminology doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Anarchist, voluntarist, whatever. So I, I just would like to point out the irony of Mark actually being the one, as opposed to Ian, it was actually Mark who turned me on to, uh, to voluntarism or, or anarchism. Gee, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I'd, I'd like to point out the, uh, the, the minarchist stand here. The minarchist stand on this is that minarchy affords the most freedom, whereas uh, voluntarism Because slavery is not. freedom, right, Mark? What's that? Slavery is freedom. Is that what you're trying the to say? Small, the smallest amount, that the smallest amount of slavery would result in the most amount of freedom, Ian. Like zero percent. Slavery, that would be nice. Because if you're enslaved to 1%, you're still a slave. 100%. If you can show me that that's the case, I'd be all for that. However, there's not much empirical data for that. There's not much empirical data for what? For voluntarism providing the most liberty. Uh, Yeah, in the absence of coercion, then you have liberty. Right. In the absence of coercion, you have heaven. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that there would be a complete absence of coercion, but there would be an absence of institutionalized coercion, which uh, would, as far as I'm concerned, be liberty, because then you'd just be dealing with the occasional criminal aggressor. What you believe, however, what you believe is is based on as much fact as you've been able to come up with. But pe- but humans have a tendency to collect the facts that they like and dismiss the facts that they don't. Mm. And I want to see a voluntarist society work before I'm going to be a voluntarist. I'll sit here and I'll, I'll okay. tell you that I, I'm for liberty. I am. I'm for the most liberty we can have. And if if that's small government, then I'm for small government. If that's complete, you know, dissolution of uh, aggressive forms of uh, you know institutions, mm-hmm. I'm for that too. Whatever, okay. show me. Can I can I take it in a slightly different direction because you talked about coercion and institutional coercion. Now I just came back from the Middle East. Uh, I was in Kuwait, and Kuwaiti Muslims are for the for what I from what I saw, they're pretty liberal. But um, I I did meet a lot of Egyptian Muslims. And uh, even if even if the entire Egyptian government just totally evaporated and collapsed, uh, there would still be, I believe, I maybe I'm using the words wrong, but I believe there would still be institutionalized coercion in the form of uh, of their religion uh, and their extremely conservative view of Islam. For example, there will never ever be a case where I will go, I will take my wife and go to my Egyptian friend's house in Egypt. And me and my wife will hang around with him and his wife, you know, drink wine or watch TV or whatever. This will never happen. If I go to visit his house, his wife goes into the back room, and she stays in the back room until I leave. And she's not even allowed to know who was, who, who was, who was there. She's not even allowed to know that I was there. Uh, and and is this, would this be considered institutionalized coercion, do you think? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I've I have an answer I've been thinking about that. this quite a lot ever since I came back, so... Either of you have any answer? Well, for that? in the, the the problem here is that the, you have these uh, geopolitical groups called countries that are preventing her from necessarily leaving this uh, landmass where they have this more conservative form of uh, Islam. If she could just pack up and say, "See ya, honey, I'm going to America where it's free," mm-hmm. or so you know, so they say, mm-hmm. uh, then but, she but would. A lot of, I'm I'm sorry. I was just going to say a lot of them don't want to. In fact, when the uh, when the U.S. troops were in Saudi Arabia, it was the women, the Muslim women, the Saudi women who got outraged that the American women were driving around smoking cigarettes and wearing T-shirts and stuff like that. It was the I, I men just, also, but the women also. I don't know. I, I don't know if brainwashing from a religion is quite the same as the institutionalization of violence that we see with uh, with the government. Obviously, government involves itself in brainwashing as well. That's why it runs the schools in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so government has an interest in teaching people that government is good, but uh, and in those countries, in a lot of cases, you're dealing with governments that are also of that same religion, and so the government rules are going to back up whatever the religious rules are, and so you've got kind of that, that crossover there where because the government might be involved in enforcing religious rules, then yes, it would be institutionalized coercion, but should that same religion exist here in America, I mean, which is a country where there is a freedom of religion, uh, ostensibly, should that same religion be uh, practiced here, where the woman stays in the back of the house and all of that, and the burqas or whoever, whatever it is that the rules are, the very kind of anti-woman uh, religion, she would have the ability to to get up and walk out, and there would be no way to force her to stay there. The only thing that would be keeping her there would be her own mind and mm-hmm. the uh, the misinformation and the the brainwashing that that she's received from years of indoctrination. Uh, is that institutionalized coercion? I don't think it's coercion because it's not a 
aggression. It's just scummy and uh, well, it's, low. It's, it's aggression if her husband will uh, raise a strap to her for not going in the, the back of the house when she's supposed to. That's still aggression. That's aggression, sure, but it's not institutionalized uh, coercion like he was asking. Yes. Right. It seems like there's some choice in the matter whether or not she sees it that way or whether or not she would be willing to step out of that or even want to. Like maybe, I don't know, they're content in their weird religious views, but it, it's not, and there really is a choice there. But the what, choice would exist here in America, not so much necessarily in Saudi right. Arabia. Well, it's kind yeah, of a different... If, if, she was, if she was to put on a miniskirt and go off to the mall, you know, she would, the men in black... Uh, uh, whatever they are, outfits would come along so, and throw in her van and take her away. So I would say yes, as long as you have a government with an established religion that they're enforcing, yes, it would be institutionalized coercion. Same situation here would just be brainwashing and a, a bizarro religion. I thank you for the call tonight, right. Stephen. Hope that helped. More on the way. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Alakees.com is a community for self-learners. At Alakees. You'll find tools to help you connect with people learning the same things you're learning, tutor other community members, and to make contacts that can help you find jobs. You can also earn money by sharing your know-how with others and contributing quality content. Visit alekees at a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. Again, that's a-l-e-k-e-s-e dot com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them all away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com, get interactive. You can edit virtually anything that you see there. It's wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Republicmagazine.tv. Are you missing the real news? Get informed and stay informed with Republic Magazine. Get your free digital copy now or order a free, uh, excuse me, order a print subscription at republicmagazine.tv. That's republicmagazine.tv or call 800-873-1620, 800-873-1620, republicmagazine.tv. We continue taking your calls about anything. We'll go to Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Matt. Good evening, Mark, Ian, and Julia. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind, Matt? I wanted to talk about, I was listening to your um podcast, and I wanted to talk about this gentleman uh, named Fred who said he would die for his principles and said he felt that uh, you should go all the way to the wall and die for your principles, too. Yeah, this is a former law enforcement, uh, former detective here in the Keene area, former city councilor as well, uh, now currently collecting a pension from being a law enforcement officer while still working a full-time bureaucrat job for the housing uh, authority. So he's making a real bank off of the government world. Yeah, must be nice. Um, I was wondering, I was curious as to whether or not you ever asked him exactly what those principles were that he was willing to die for. No, I can't say. Uh, Mark was the one that he approached. He sent an email to Mark, and I, I can't say oh, I have. Well, I would assume that he was, uh, as a police officer, he's uh, talking about protecting and serving, so he was uh, he mm-hmm. would be willing to take a bullet to uh, protect you. To protect and serve. Okay, I, I was just wondering if maybe he felt that he was actually, you know, would have been dying for freedom and for liberty. 
No, it doesn't seem like that would be the case. Uh, uh, As a police officer, you're not really guarding the line against freedom necessarily. But, uh, you know, Mark, you made an interesting point during the break on this. That was that Fred uh, probably wouldn't have been able to be willing to die if he hadn't been getting a paycheck. Well, yeah, like one can say that uh, that they'll give their life, and I, I hope that cops are willing to do that if they're taking that paycheck, because mm-hmm. basically that's that's what the public thinks that they're paying them for to protect them against the the, the baddies, as mistaken as they might be. And, and, you know, cops can't be everywhere, and nor are they obligated to be anywhere and do anything. No, so. Um, right. But, you know, would they be willing – you don't see – you hear a lot of comic books about superheroes doing the same thing. However, you don't see a lot of people acting like superheroes out there and, and going out and protecting the public good for no money at all because they're busy working. Mm-hmm. So if you really wanted to give your life for doing these things, you really could by not taking a paycheck, couldn't you? Seems like it. Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah that's true, too. That's That's a good way to put it. But – uh, the point I was going to make is I, I think a lot of times uh, these people are, are misinformed as to what they're actually doing. They believe that they're doing one thing when they're doing another, which was which was why I wanted to know if specifically he would have felt that he was uh, protecting the Constitution or protecting uh, the freedom and, and liberty and the rights of the people, which is what they're supposed to uh, take an oath to do. A lot of cops do swear an oath to the Constitution, but when you ask them questions about it, they couldn't answer you word one about what the Constitution actually says. And that was going to be exactly my point, is that they don't understand what they're fighting for or, or what they're willing to die for or what the principles that they're putting their life on the line for. Right, they're willing to die to do whatever it is they're told to do by their superiors, basically. Exactly. And I, and I know that some of them, a very few of them, might, but most of them I don't think would have. Well, here's what so, I'd invite you to do, if you want, Matt. Uh, Fred Parcells is who we're talking about. He's one of the local uh, politicos here in the, the Keene area, and I know he hates it when, uh, when I call him that. But you know, I like Fred. I've got a nice rapport with him uh, built that I built up over the years. And Mark, you probably get along with him uh, even better than than I do. And he has a real love for Julia as well. Um, but I like Fred. Nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Uh, but but he's a you know just a little misguided. He does say he likes the idea of smaller government. He is uh, apparently on our side when it comes to uh, to ending the war on drugs. So he's he's definitely there on a lot of issues. But if you want to hold his feet to the fire, Matt, what you could do is uh, you could tune in to the Liberty Radio Network on Saturday mornings from nine to noon, and eventually you'll hear him co-hosting. The uh, the Talkback Show, which is a local show here in the Keene area that we uh, re rebroadcast over the at Liberty Liberty Radio Network dot com. Uh, he only hosts like once a month, and I think it's usually the third or the fourth Saturday in uh, in each month. But that would be a way for you to really hold his feet to the flames and get him to answer. Maybe try to get him to answer a question. He's pretty good at beating around the bush and not actually uh, not actually addressing what it is what it is you bring up though. So he's he's a pro, uh, and he'll do a good job of avoiding what you're what you're getting at. Right, so he's not only you know, a former police officer, but he'd make a really good politician, is what you're saying. He was a politician, although he wouldn't accept that label for himself. He he was well, a uh, city councilor. I guess. He yep. would have been a politician. So he chose and, to well, ste- he chose to step down for a principled reason. He believes in term limits strongly. I I'm not a term limit fan. I I was at one point, but. You know, <laughs> I think this. I, I think we should keep the good politicians when we can get them, like Ron Paul. You know, people like that. I don't. I, he's been in ten years. I'd hate to see him replaced by mm-hmm. somebody who's less principled. Any other well, thoughts, personally, Matt? Personally, I'd like to see a voluntary type of government where, rather than 
uh, uh, coercively making us pay for uh, government with taxes. It was a voluntary thing. If you want the government, you can give them money. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. that's a sensible thing to do. I think it'd be an easy transition to make. And if indeed the government people are really providing a valuable service, then they should have no problem whatsoever being funded voluntarily. That's what. I, that's how I feel. All right, Matt. Exactly how I feel. They will, well, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to Alex in New Jersey, also on an amp line. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? So I just got out of a uh, training seminar for the, the knives that I'm about to sell. And oh, yes. It, it actually, it looks, I, I feel better about it now than I did when I called you before. Um, I, I, I that's because they've begun to brainwash you, Alex. Go ahead. And, <laughs> <laughs> all right, now here's the thing. All, what, what I like about it is that it's flexible. I set up the appointments with mm-hmm. uh, on my schedule. I can do as many or as few as I want. There's really no pressure. There are no minimums that you have to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there was a concern raised the other night about how uh, how you get your first appointments, and what they do is they pay you to practice with anyone that you know. And you, you don't even have to sell anything. All you do is you, you go there and you say, hi. Uh, I'd like to practice with you. I'd like, to, um, but you don't have to buy anything. And then they just sit down and they they hear your pitch, and then you ask for comments on how you can make the pitch better, and they pay you to do that. So, uh, so, uh, so you're asking you the client from those people, and then you start. You're, so you're asking the client how to make your pitch better. They're not going to actually give you any uh, training. They're not going to send you along with like an expert salesman or anything like that, to where you can learn from somebody who's actually had some experience. No, they they have a whole packet of notes, and which has all the information that you'll ever need inside of it that you bring with you. You know, it's going to be a valuable learning experience from a sales standpoint. I think it sounds like it's a better, as far as a first sales kind of job is concerned, when I was your age, uh, Alex, I was brought into a network marketing company. I spent thousands of dollars on product and, uh, you know, crashed and burned after a year or so. But uh, I think you're in a place where this particular company, it sounds like it's a little better because there's no minimum. Like you say, there's no minimum that you have to do. And that's one of the things that happens with a lot of network marketing companies is there's a minimum sales volume that you have to sell every single month in order to even retain your distributorship uh, or to certainly at the very least to get up to get paid at the end of the month. You have to do X amount of volume. But here you are. You're saying that uh, that you can just sell nothing if you want to. And there's no penalty uh, for that, which I think is is a good. Uh, good point to start right. from. It doesn't the, put the, the pressure on. The example that I brought up was that let's say that I'm in college and you know I'm a, I'm, I'm an incoming freshman, and uh, let's say that I have a tough week, couple weeks with projects and papers that I need to write. I can just not schedule appointments, and then I can come back in three or four weeks and start scheduling them again. Uh, th- th- that's the the way it works, and I think that's uh, that's pretty nice. Just uh, it's, it's just take flexible. it take under advisement what the other people have said on the internet about uh, kind of the shifty way that they've in some cases have experienced. The paychecks coming out. You have to take real care to keep track of what you've done as far as sales and what you're expecting, uh, and compare it against the checks and all that. And good luck, and let us know how it works. Thanks, Alex. More on the way. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. If you take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, you can bring up absolutely anything. And tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. 
And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It is that simple. You can even buy used items if you need to save a few extra bucks, as though, of course, Amazon already has very, very low prices on their brand new items. I think you'll find them very competitive. Plus, you get free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their new items. Just get your shopping done over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and feel good because you're getting the products you want. Great prices, uh, free Super Saver shipping, and you're helping Free Talk Live as well. Amazon.freetalklive.com. I'm going to go back to the email that we started in the first hour of the program. It's from Richard as he is enumerating his reasons why he opposes the idea of owning your own body. He opposes, he starts out by saying he opposes doctor assisted suicide and then goes off on a couple of points about why he thinks selling one's organs. Uh, should remain a, a prohibition, that, that that it should not be allowed, and that if you can't sell your own organs, then, of course, that means you don't actually own yourself. And so it, that's essentially what he's arguing for, is that you, you should not be able to own yourself because he believes there could be dire consequences uh, to the marketplace, which is very bizarre. And, of course, as we pointed out, if people could sell their own organs, then uh, organs would be pretty much widely available, and so they really shouldn't be that, uh, they really shouldn't be that costly anyway. And he brings up points about, well, what would stop people from killing homeless people and selling their organs? Well, the market would put likely uh, procedures into place place, uh, to ensure that uh, they had a paper trail that would show them where this organ was coming from rather than just somebody coming in, opening up a chest freezer and saying, hey, got some organs here. (laughs) It's really a good question. You know, you walk in with a with a heart fresh, (laughs) like, where'd you get that? Don't worry about it. I'd like to sell it. Yeah. So oh, we, well, okay, no questions asked. <laughs> we go on with his points here as to why he opposes doctor-assisted suicide. Number three, he says it would compromise the integrity of the medical system. Everyone knows that pharmaceutical companies push certain medicines on doctors, while recent legislation has cracked down on perks pharmaceutical companies can offer doctors. If the Free Talk Live radio show had their way, there would be no legislation on this practice. Well, uh, that's true, but there also wouldn't be the huge uh, cost of entry into the pharmaceutical market so that those pharmaceutical companies would have a great deal of competition Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have two or three oligarchy-type pharmaceutical companies in place. Great point. Uh, these are the it's it's the the regulations that keep people out of the pharmaceutical industry and keep people from being able to compete against these folks. What would happen would be he says what would happen would be doctors sworn to try and save individuals' lives would be pushing suicide medicine on the patients. Why <laughs> is the idea so they could kill the patient, harvest the organs, and then sell them? Well, <laughs> uh, that's I, paranoid, yeah, man. Th- that really doesn't make much sense to me. Right, I mean. The idea that you just go into uh, the doctor's office and the doctor says, well, you know, I don't think you're going to make it here. Just take this medicine. We'll just bump you off. I mean, as though somebody's just going to make the decision to kill themselves right there in the doctor's office and that they wouldn't tell anybody what the doctor was suggesting to them and uh, they wouldn't go out and spread the word about what was happening. And as though they'd they'd have to. uh... If I was considering doctor assisted suicide, I'm not sure I'd want to see a doctor that was encouraging me to kill myself. And yeah. also, I think that the family of of somebody who you know went to the doctor and just suddenly ended up dead, and the doctor says, "Well, they asked for suicide." Yeah. <laughs> like they might have some questions, and then maybe that doctor would be put on trial for murder, investigation, and yeah. uh, there'd be be punished for that murder. You know, maybe there'd be some incentives in the opposite direction. Further, he says it should not be as easy to kill yourself as walking into a doctor's office and telling him about wanting to kill yourself. He writes you a prescription, and that's it. Hold on just a second. Is this the last point 
No, it's not. We've got okay. two more paragraphs. Okay, I just wanted to I just wanted to find out. Usually, you can find out a po- the gist of somebody's argument by listening to their last point. The last point, mm. often to me, this is just an observation I've made, is often the uh, the one that they they care about. Is uh, you know, I don't think it should be uh, that easy to kill yourself. But what if you need it? What if you see the people that want to commit suicide the most, the ones with terminal illnesses, they have a difficult time getting you know doing the things to uh, to, to kill themselves that that people that are just suicidal might do. Mm-hmm. They can't climb a tall building or go to the top of a bridge or yeah. you, know, uh, you know pull the trigger on a gun because they don't want to make a big mess. Sure. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't want to do this. And I can tell you that when I went in at age 23 to go and get my vasectomy, it was a little unusual, right? Because most people that age are not going to get vasectomies. And uh, one of the things they try to do, and I think they do this for everybody that goes in for a vasectomy, is they try to talk you out of it. Uh, they try to say, look, are you sure you really want to do this? Is this something you're absolutely certain about? And, uh, you know, they're not going to do it that first visit. That You don't just get to walk right in and uh, have them snip open your scrotum and then do the vasectomy. There's a period of uh, waiting where you've got to get your appointment scheduled and all that. But there's a pre-assessment uh, period where they bring you in to make sure you're not crazy or whatever and that, uh, that, that they should go through with this procedure. I imagine that any doctor worth their salt is going to try to assure themselves that this patient is indeed not mentally disturbed and this patient you know, has a good reason uh, to want to kill themselves and that as a doctor they probably aren't going to be just likely to willy-nilly kill off anybody that wants to. Maybe there will be a doctor that will do something like that. I, I don't know. There may be. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the He's thing not going to have a very good reputation before no. long. How many suicides are we really stopping with all the anti-suicide apparatus that we have in this country? I don't know. There are a lot of people attempting suicide that simply want attention. Says depression is a mental illness. If you you would allow a doctor to prescribe a medicine to a depressed person to kill themselves because it's their right to kill themselves. Maybe they're depressed about their wife leaving them. Why shouldn't they just be able to go to a doctor and ask him to write them a prescription for death? What's wrong with that? Well, I really don't have a problem with that. If if they are going to be choosing to put a a shotgun in their mouth versus going to the doctor to where they can have a uh, kind of a dignified death that doesn't create a mess like your talking about mark and the doctor is willing to go through with this procedure let's say they do have some sort of uh, procedure they'll go through where they won't do it immediately they do make him think about it for a week or something like that then and he comes back and he still says yeah this life sucks i'm done i'm out of here what's the big deal there why, why is there what is the obsession with forcing people to live that's my question and he's saying he's not religious he says he's not uh, opposing this on religious basis but if that's not it then what is the obsession with forcing people to stay in their in their lives if they're unhappy there's actually i know i noticed that there's tends to be sort of an obsession with a lot of people to prevent everyone from dying ever yeah, yeah. like with this safe playground stuff and like sure. I, I mean it really just like everywhere you look people are constantly trying to make things like there's laws being passed on a regular basis where they're trying to make things as safe as freaking possible for everyone when really you're the only one who's responsible for your own safety in life 
I don't have a problem with safety. I don't uh, either. For, for safety, it's sake. gone overboard. Though. But there's there's a lot of times that they'll they'll you know raise the cost of things with cars, for instance. I believe that there's uh you know apparati that you that they now have are mandated by legislation to put on car windows because they killed three kids in a decade's time. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's kind of hard to kill yourself with a car window. You have to be a pretty small child. There has to be some really strange circumstances, and you can imagine how many kids managed to make it through the whole automobile experience without getting themselves killed on the automatic window. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But these apparatus cost a lot of money. Some people should be able to decide whether or not they want those on their cars, but to in, in make it so that everybody has to have that safety equipment raises the bar. Also, when you're talking about fun, kids don't have merry-go-rounds anymore. Because oh, I they saw might... one at Rogers, yeah, Campground. at Rogers Campground. There was swing sure, sure. and a merry-go-round. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that they have to be old uh, equipment for there to be yeah. one. On they government don't... parks, they probably don't exist at all. Right. They don't have the, the the really tall swing sets so kids can really get going and mm-hmm. then jump out of them. Do backflips and stuff. That stuff's fun. The, the, so, so it's at the cost of what, you know, the, the, the purpose of the equipment. It's it's I I'm not against safety I'm just against uh, limiting people's ability to do what they I think want. Smoking and, and drug use and alcohol use as well, but smoking's the perfect example of this. Like you think that people who smoke cigarettes don't know about the risks by now? Yeah. They know. Sure they, they don't do. care. They're making a decision. It's obviously worth it to them. But the the do-gooders, for lack of a better ter- ter- uh, term, are they feel like it's their moral duty to prevent every single person on this planet from ever dying or damaging themselves in in some way. And I, it's an it's an obsession that I just don't understand. If it's not religiously based. Where does it come from? Because I understand the religious people would say that killing yourself is against God. Right. Uh, it's not supposed to. You're not supposed to do that. Jesus will be. Uh, will, and that's will shed your business. And you don't kill yourself, so you can go to heaven. That's great. Yeah. Well, whatever. But I could understand well, them coming from that perspective. But no, no, it's a stupid perspective because God was made flesh. Supposedly, if you uh, if you believe the the current line of Christianity as it's presented today, God became flesh in the form of Jesus with the with the purpose, the plan uh, that the humans would kill him. He controls the humans. Jesus committed suicide. Hey, there's more here. Uh, Also, we'll take your calls about anything. And hour number three is coming up. 800-259-9231. We'll continue the suicide discussion in hour three. Free Talk Live. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. On your feet! I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the U.S. military, reserves, or National Guard, you have special rights and privileges earned through your service to your country, including special VA loan programs not available to the general public. You could purchase a new home with no down payment or refi your home up to 100% of your home's equity. You've earned these benefits through your dedication and service. iFreedom Direct, a direct VA lender, can help you discover whether you and your property qualify. Get the details at varadio.com. That's varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. 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 This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them to you, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We've got the doctor-assisted suicide thing still going with that email. We're going to put it on hold again because people are on the phones. We'll talk to you. That's the point of the show. Linda is on the line in Texas. Linda, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How are you doing? Linda, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, right now, uh, I'm at a tax tea party in Houston. Uh, well, of course, you know, we're going to be holding them yeah, all this uh, weekend. But particularly, I came here to uh, protest the carbon tax because, like I said earlier, it was outrageous. But um, while I was here, uh, there was a group of 9-11 truthers, man, and it was a very small group. They weren't causing any problems. Uh, and me and my friend decided, like, to go and talk to them and, and, and get, like, you know, their little pamphlets or whatever. You know, me and my friend are also 9-11 truthers. And uh, so we were talking to him for a minute, and then a lot of the, uh, the like, the, the tea partiers, I guess you could call them, uh, man, they, like, they started, like, berating them, man, like, telling them, you know, this is wrong, da 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 you know. And, man, like, we walked away because it got kind of heated or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, man, I don't want to get involved with anything, like, too deep. We walked away. Five minutes later, there was, like, 12 cops escorting them out. Man, and they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything but, man, the same thing everybody else was doing, a peaceful protest. Hmm. And I thought that was very, man, wrong. Uh, well, I uh, don't have a dog in this uh, particular fight. Uh, personally, I don't know what the, the truth is about 9-11. It doesn't really matter yeah, to yeah. me. Uh, to me, yeah. uh, the government has, has gotten bigger as a result of what happened on 9-11. Yeah. Now, that I know is, yeah. is the truth. I know that uh, the government is uh, more intrusive and more oppressive than it's ever been. Uh, I think a- it would have been that way whether or not 9-11 had happened. They'd have found some other excuse to, uh, to increase the size of the state. Is it a public park where they're having this tea party? Yes, yeah, it's a public, I mean, it's uh, right across the convention center. I don't know if any of your listeners are from Houston, but, uh, man, it's an open space. I mean, but the thing was, uh, what what bothered me the most was that, I mean, they weren't, like, doing anything wrong. They were just, I mean, and they got escorted out, man. And I just, you know, look, I don't know the truth about 9-11 either, but I think, to me personally, it's important to our, uh, man, just, just so that we know, man, if something was fishy or something was told to us that was incorrect, and we... You know, we, uh, if you act on something due to the premise and the premise is wrong, then your actions are wrong. So I'm thinking, man, yes, I do agree with you. They use, man, uh, whether or not this would have happened, our, our government would have increased. But, man, this sure as hell helps. That's like my personal opinion. Yeah, but, uh, th- yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sorry that uh, you guys were were kicked out, or they were kicked out of uh, oh, no, what is yeah, ostensibly were, yeah. a public place. I mean, that seems yeah. uh, seems pretty outrageous. So I'm with you there. But you know, I would I would critique them. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why the the whole 9/11 Truth movement is just so counterproductive, in my opinion. Yeah. And that is that if the if the people who are out there promoting this uh, conspiracy theory uh, whichever version of it, whether it's aliens or bombs or whatever uh, theory they're promoting, uh, those people are out there promoting that theory. What they are going to come up against is uh, some very angry people, and it's it's angering enough when you talk about liberty. It's angering enough when you talk about freedom and uh, and the, the fact that uh, taxation is slavery and things like that. But uh, but at least then you you aren't trying to convince someone of what your version of the facts are. Uh, then you can no, just no. then you can just lay out uh, why it is liberty is important to you and uh, explain to them uh, you know how their lives could be improved if they uh, were also to accept the ideas of the free marketplace and and uh, and freedom and I think it's just a much more persuasive position to come from to talk about yeah. freedom rather than to talk about a theory as to what happened in an event that was almost that's now almost a decade old. Well, and I- 
Man, I, I understand your point. I, I do. Uh, man, uh, man, like to re- reiterate, man, to me it's important because if there was any kind of foul play, I mean, whether or not it was, man, I, I like to use the co- uh, quote, man, I forgot who said it. It kind of escapes me right now, the name. But Osama didn't make Norad stand down. And I like I like that quote, man, because we, we, we faltered. We faltered that day whether or not, man. I didn't was, falter you know in any way. I was, uh, no, 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 I woke that, up at no, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> our, defense, our defense system, man, definitely did not protect us that day. That I much mean, is absolutely so- true. Yes. Um, you can certainly yes. claim that the government was uh, complicit in the, in the, the role of uh, negligence. Uh, they did a terrible yeah. job if, that they, if they were there supposed to be protecting us from uh, the, yeah. the, the, the dangerous furners, as they've told us all along they are. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job of protecting uh, the American yeah. citizens whom we uh, pay, you know, the, who pays for that. I just think it's uh, it's as far as bringing people on board to an idea, it's a poor approach any old time, but especially in a crowd full of uh, like likely conservative uh, neocon nationalists that are really just upset at uh, at Obama. And so, bringing up anything from the past, uh, they're likely not willing to critique anything that their uh, their their buddy George Bush did. And so, it's just going to to generate anger and not going to encourage people to listen to what you have to say. Thanks for the call tonight, Linda. I appreciate hearing from you, and good luck out there. 800-259-9231. So they're doing it again. Are they? The tea parties are uh, back this weekend. People are going to gather together and wave some more signs and make themselves feel good. Is that what's going to happen? You guys even paying attention? I I don't know what you want. The tea parties, right? I mean, I know that Jason Osborne from SACL CAI is uh, what are you, now you're rolling your eyes. What's what's going on here, Mark? Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Was I not supposed to talk about Jason Osborne doing a speech at the, the tea parties? No, that's fine. Well, so uh, SACL CAI's Jason uh, will be doing a, a speech. He's putting together one of the tea parties, which I think is good because if somebody who actually loves freedom on a principled basis like Jason is the person organizing the party, then at least it'll have a principled viewpoint that they're uh, that they're communicating to people rather than the old two-party system oh the democrats are evil just elect republicans and they'll fix they'll fix the problems which is what a lot of the tea parties were when the first round of them happened a few months ago was essentially just a promotional event for the republican candidates for 2010 or yeah it, I, I, that's that's the way i see it at least i mean it just seems like a you know, an opportunity for republicans to grandstand and tell us how they support small government and uh, more personal liberties and and that you know they'll dance around uh, milton friedman and and some of the the thinkers as far as uh, small government and liberty go but they don't mean it they were lying the last time, and I suspect – and, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. You're not going to shame me. I'm no. not, I've, I've had it. The, the contract with America was broken. Screw <laughs> the Republican Party. I can't do anything – It was anything. a unilateral agreement anyway. <laughs> I can't do anything about the Democrats and their you know, message of large government or whatever it is because – Nobody's ever going to – I'm never going to be a convincing Democrat. I've, I've been a Republican most of my life. I, you know, I can't convert those people. I can talk to the Republicans about how they've been duped. So you mm-hmm. know, if, if I'm to be a John the Baptist, I can only be, really be a Republican John the Baptist. That's, you know, so those are the people that I need to talk to. I would say that if you are one who is considering attending one of these tea parties over the weekend, I imagine a lot of them are happening tomorrow being Independence Day, which, by the way, we will be broadcasting live. Our live Saturday edition will continue to go on, even though it is a holiday. Uh, so if you are going to be one, one who will be attending these parties, these tea parties, and looking, to doing, uh, looking into doing outreach to, to people, I would... <laughs> 
Even if you are a so-called 9-11 truther, put that stuff away. There is no point in getting out there and promoting that stuff. If you want to help people understand liberty, you've got to give them information and point them in the direction that will get them to that point. 9-11 truth, even if you're the most vehement believer in such a thing, and I don't, again, I don't know what the truth is, don't care, but 9-11 truth doesn't talk about liberty. It's not an issue. It's not a liberty issue. It's a, it's a paranoid conspiracy issue. That's it, what that is. It really, uh, that's, that's the only way I can see Why it. Why not trot out all of the conspiracy videos about uh, the Oklahoma City bombing? That's still an unsolved mystery, right? I mean, Why not uh, JFK? Yeah. Why not the bombing of the hood? Yeah, I mean, expand your conspiracy sake, uh, the, the, brochures. The, the Hindenburg uh, got blown up. I mean, that must have been the Bilderbergers, right? Yeah. So see, if you do believe in the, that the, the Bilderbergers or a group of, uh, of foreign bankers run the world, you're doing the whole movement a disservice by talking about 9-11 truth because... Because you're taking away from the point that foreign bankers control the world through the use of the monetary system. Get some uh, persuasive flyers uh, like Free Talk Live flyers or Free State Project flyers or something else that is uh, something that you can just get into people's hands to where they can evaluate it later on. They're not going to sit there and listen to a sales pitch from you on anything that you're promoting. They're there to have fun and wave signs and stuff like that. I think you just need to take it easy and give people just a little bit to taste and then let them, their curiosity, go and explore the rest. And stop blaming every single bad thing that happens on some group of people you've never met. All right. More on the way. You bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features that we give away, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, all you have to do is click and download. They're yours right there on the front page of the site. Going back for an entire year. Free for you at freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or living trust, even register a trademark. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. If you use code FTL as in Free Talk Live, you'll save 10 bucks. It's LegalZoom.com. I've done it. It is fast and easy, and they offer their services significantly cheaper than you'd for you would for an attorney so don't get these common legal documents from places that cost too much so the tea party people are at it again uh they'll be out and about this weekend waving signs yelling playing music whatever the hell it is that goes on at these uh these tea parties i've never been to one so i can't really comment uh because i'm just not a huge fan of rallies i've been to my share of them for sure and i likely will go to more in the future but I just don't really feel like there's anything significant that's accomplished there beyond perhaps some networking, uh, some socializing, some people getting to know one another. And perhaps that networking f- factor could lead down the road to other activism. But most of the people that are going to these tea parties are a bunch of amateurs. Uh, they, they don't know anything about acti- uh, activism. And that's fine. Everybody has to start somewhere, right? But there's no real end goal beyond just electing some Republicans, it seems, in mo- to most of these tea parties. Uh, you know, you don't think that getting together and yelling in uh, some, some public area and chanting is going to do anything to, to actually change how the so-called representatives vote, do you? 
No, I I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't. There's one example uh, where it did apparently do something. I think it was Tennessee a few years back. They were looking at uh, some sort of income tax that I guess it hadn't existed before. There was some tax they were looking at putting in that had never existed before. And enough people did show up in mass to the Capitol and shouted and, you know, got angry to where apparently the politicians were frightened enough to where they, you know, were worried about getting reelected. And so they didn't pass that through. Whether it ended up being passed later on down the line, I never heard. So maybe it was just a, a delaying thing to where they just put it off and said, well, let's do this at midnight sometime instead of letting people know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it actually uh, per- permanently stopped it or not. So there, there may be some examples of where this has had an effect, but on the federal government? I don't know about that. The federal government's pretty darn good at just ignoring whatever the heck uh, the, its citizenry want. Yeah. I mean, just just remember the Go ahead, ba- get angry. remember the bailout. Remember yeah. it was brought to you by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Republicans voted one. for it. The, the the most libertarian Republican in the Senate, uh, John Sununu, he voted for it. Yeah, I you know that's why I couldn't vote for him. So uh, so just don't expect much uh, if you go to one of these things this weekend. I think the best thing you can do if you love liberty is to put liberty-oriented material in people's hands. It's very, uh, very unlikely uh, you know, the, that most people are going to, uh, to pay close attention, but if you get one out of 100, it's probably worth you – know, if one out of 100 people will uh, visit freetalklive.com or visit the Free State Project's website, it was probably worth your attending there. I think that's something that's valuable about these is it gives you a bunch of angry people that are all in one place, and people that are, uh, that are waiting around and, and just killing time in one area are good prospects for talking to about freedom and – bringing them on board. I think from that perspective, it's valuable. But as far as if you are going to one of these tea parties expecting anything to change as a result of your attendance, you're fooling yourself. Let's continue here. And I think they're good places, places to recruit for the Free State Project. That's what I'm saying. They're mm-hmm. good places to, uh, to recruit people into the Free Talk Live listenership, which, again, will eventually recruit them to the Free State Project. They're or, there about freedom, supposedly. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that seems like a legitimate thing to talk about. It's a good time for prospecting for I, freedom. I yeah. think that 9-11 Truth is a bit of a derailing there. That has nothing even to do with freedom Even at all. though many of the 9-11 Truthers are good libertarian types, uh, freedom advocates. I don't know how many of them are, but some, maybe. Some, some maybe. I said many. All right, let's go to Tom in Charleston, listening to WVTS. Hey, Tom. Hey, I can't believe you're putting down the tea parties. I mean, just because they're not eating Ezekiel pancakes <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, refusing to stand up for a judge, do you, you don't think that having a get-together with people that may not believe to the same extent that you do how limited government should be, that that's not in any way uh, helpful. I mean, you know, we all have different paths to go by. We all want the same thing. I mean, in the end, we all want the same thing, but, you know, Do some we? of us comes in different stages. Well, I mean, Tom, you know. I, I understand where you're coming from. I do I do want more liberty as opposed to less liberty. So I'll take a little bit more than uh, than we have. I just don't think – I think that the, the Tea Parties are Republican rallies. And I don't think the Republicans are going to bring that to me. I did think that at one point, and then I realized, oh, those mamma jammas are lying to me. You've been duped. I, you know, I saw what happened to the government from 2000 to 2006, and that is it grew more than it had under any other president up until that time. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I was surprised at the tea parties that I did attend. I did see a few independent people that were not – necessarily Republican or even Democrat. I mean, yes, it is largely a Republican get-together. I mean, okay. you know, Fox, you know, it is, but... 
So what about it? I mean, what, where do you feel like it led to? What what did the Tea Party actually do besides give people a place to just kind of hang out and meet one another? I think it's made people more conscious of the and, – and I know this is this is not you. You all don't really like this because you're not centered toward Democrat versus Republican like a lot of people are. But the thing is I think it, it did raise a lot of people's consciousness of some of the things that are going on other than Michael Jackson dying. I mean, you know – uh, the cap and trade. I mean, I think that these type of events, now that didn't happen during the last Tea Party, but the expanse of government over the past several months has alarmed quite a few people, both independents, Democrats, minarchists, I mean, whatever. But apparently it didn't alarm like them over the last uh, eight years, just only been alarmed within the last six months. And it's fine. Whatever, whatever it takes to alarm them, I understand. But I know, there's I know. no real tangible uh, benefit beyond socialization and networking, and I'm not saying that's bad. I think there's value there. It just don't don't expect anything to change in Washington D.C. because a bunch of people around the country got out and waved some signs. Tom, this country's on an escalator going down. Taking one step up on the escalator isn't going to do crap. Okay, that's what I mean. I think that the Tea Parties are slap useless. So they stop cap and trade and the Democrats come around with some other little plan that uh, manages to tax you know, businesses that much more and turn us that much more socialist to the you're point where... The like, but listen, you're painting the picture like if certain people go to a tea party, they're a tool or something. And I don't think that that's the case. No, no. I've been... I've been... a lot of old school Republicans that are organizing them and some of them are quite frankly just feeding the Republican Party line and nothing ever changes but I do believe there is some benefit that some people could maybe have their eyes open to the expanse of government maybe they've never known this before maybe these are young people that have never really examined the issue I would encourage those people to go to the Tea Party look at what's going on see what's yeah. happening and then realize holy crap this doesn't matter and move to the Free State Project I'm sorry I, of I'm, gonna say that. I'm a Free State Project zealot I am I'm absolutely on board with the you Free are. State Project because I realize there's nothing that can be done Tom we're on that escalator down towards socialism it's the USSA today tomorrow Tomorrow or in a year from now. I don't know. But people, we're there. We're I, getting there. Look, Tom, I didn't totally crap on the tea parties. I think that uh, it's something for people to do, and there's a value in getting together, and there's a value in being able to, to use that location as an, uh, an outreach uh, project for people that actually do love liberty. So I think there is some value. It's just that I think some people believe that something will actually come from the tea parties themselves, and I don't think there's any evidence of that. I thank you for the call. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Thanks a lot. They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating uh, in deep deficits. One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at Seasteading. This is Free Talk Live, your show. If you dial in and bring up whatever's on your mind, toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian joining you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. we got over 450,000 posts for you to surf around through, lots to talk about serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all 
at bbs.freetalklive.com. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Sick and tired of going to tea parties and having nothing happen? Are you tired of oppressive the, uh, the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Let's change gears. Uh, I know we got that email that we never really got all the way through, but it'll wait till another day. Julia has a story that uh, is right up her alley, so I figured we'd share this with you. What is it about? Uh, well, the title of the article is Teens, Oral Sex, and Casual Prostitution? No biggie. Which... Yeah. That's pandering enough. Let's go with this. All right. They don't give their names, but viewers can see their faces plainly, and what these teens are saying is shocking parents. Oh, my goodness. I ended up having sex with more than one person (laughs) that night, and then in the morning I was trying to get the morning after pill. One of the girls said, I was like 14 at the time. What's her name, uh, Trans447? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's QT. It's just one of dozens of stories from teenage girls in a new documentary that Canadian filmmaker uh, that aims to shed light on the secret, extremely sexual lives of today's teens. Some teens. That's one of the first things that I thought was funny when I read the story is this, when you're talking about a girl having sex with more than one guy in one night, this is not the the norm. It's unusual, yeah. Yeah. You had to hunt high and low for this one. Yeah. There were always a few girls, right, that were a little sluttier maybe or a little easier to get than other girls. It's not like everyone in your class was having sex at this age. I sure wasn't. (laughs) I was, but eh. (laughs) I was a teen prostitute, so whatever. Were you really? I wasn't really a teen prostitute, but I did, I don't know, I did a couple things for some a little bit of money when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. That would make you a child sex star, I believe. Uh, Something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't Whatever. think anybody ever af- offered me any money for anything. Really? No, I think you're a dude, so, yeah, that's you know. Problem. Sorry, you got gypped. After four years researching for the documentary, she told Good Morning America... Hey, why don't you jump down her throat, Mark? She used the term gypped. Gypped is a racist term, please don't use it. <laughs> yeah, well, retard isn't really exactly nice, but language evolves, and I say that all the time. I also say that things are gay, and I don't have a problem with gay people, so I'm sorry. It's just language. Stop acting like a woman. Go back to work. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So after four years researching for this documentary, she told Good Morning America that oral sex is as common as kissing for teens. I don't believe that at all. (laughs) I don't believe that at all. Is this how you say goodbye to your friends? (laughs) A nice blowjob. What the hell? And that casual prostitution or being paid at parties to strip, give sexual favors, or have sex is more commonplace than once believed. Oh, wait, then it's once more believed, commonplace that, than I, once believed. That, so that means it was going on in the past, it's just that people didn't believe as much? Or, wait, am I in, interpreting that correctly? I, I, I think that prostitution, that everybody's a prostitute, so I don't really have a problem with this. The I fact agree. Is that everybody's going to right. have sex with a cer- for a certain amount of money. Sure, especially a teen girl, it's probably a very low amount. I, I don't know how much it is, but I, <laughs> I don't know. It, the, the idea that prostitution's a shocking thing, it, it's, it's not shocking. People. No. Definitely not. Well, I guess parents are shocked when they find out that their daughter... People have an emotional attachment to the idea that their daughter could be, you know, giving some guy a blowjob in in a back room. But really, I mean, it's it's not that big of a deal to me. I just don't see why people would get that worked up about it. 
Well, it seems to me that the suggestion in this story is that this wasn't happening until this generation. The teenagers before were so much, so much more wholesome. And well, I just don't know if I believe that. No, I don't. I, I don't know either. I, I get the impression that, uh, that, that the increased amount of sexuality on television probably has increased promiscuity to some extent among uh, teenagers. I don't know. Well, it's just an interpretation. I can't even – even the empirical data I have from when I was in high school is skewed because I don't know what's going on currently in, in high school. Don't know. Am not there. And uh, – I didn't know when I was there. <laughs> so it's this is all it's it's all such speculation and yeah. meant to to whip people. It's it's media and fear. They go together so often. The media wants you scared and you upset so that you consume more of their media so that you can find out what else you need to be scared of. Their, your kids are humping in the closet when you're not looking. The, the, there's there's burglars waiting around the corner. There's cyanide in the water. Uh, you know everything. They it, the, the California's on fire. Uh, New England's frozen. The the, the 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 ice. The new ice age is coming, and the globe's getting warmer. The whole thing. It's all about fear, fear, fear. Quick point of information: rather than uh, us being accused of being pandering to the lowest common denominator, let's call it oral sex, just for future reference. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Well. What I'd like to say about this article that really bothers me, to me, there's one underlying issue here, and that's that teenagers are having sex because their bodies and minds are telling them that that's what feels good, that's what they want to do. And I I think that people really need to get over this whole, um, like, having sex is bad or uh, people seem to have such a negative uh, thoughts on young people having sex. But really, once you go through puberty, the chemicals in your brain start telling you that this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. It's it biologically makes a lot of sense. And I feel like since we've sort of extended childhood, like by many, many, many years that people feel like you maybe shouldn't be having sex until you're 18 or 21. I mean, everyone has differing beliefs, but when people hear about 13 year olds having sex, it's a huge deal. Why? If you've gone through puberty and your brain is telling you that you should go out and have sex, what's the big deal? I don't see if there is a big deal. I think that as long as it's being done in a safe manner, I think that's the deal. I think that's something I'd be concerned about as a parent would be, uh, is my son or daughter if they're engaging in these activities, are they doing them with safety in mind or are they just going out and, and doing stupid stuff? Right. Well, I don't want to make it sound like I think that having sex with anybody anytime is a good thing. I don't. I think that sex is dangerous, can be very dangerous, but can also be fun and is a very natural thing to want and to do and that we need to stop pretending. I say we. It's not me personally. We as a society, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. need to stop pretending like it's so abnormal and so... Um, like immoral, basically. And I think that, and, and I know we've touched on this before, that when you tell kids not to do <laughs> something, then they want to do it. And they, like you're saying, Julia, their biological drives are already in gear saying, let's do this. And then when parents and other people are telling them, no, no, no. Wait till you're married or wait till you're older. Uh, that doesn't do anything to dissuade them. I don't think any them. of them tell them uh, to wait, wait till, till they're older. older. It's always, uh, you know, marriage. Not now. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. My, my, mom's my, my mom didn't message, have this conversation with my me. My mom's message was not now, not in my house, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Basically, she just didn't want to think of me as a teenager having sex. So go into the woods, Julia, and, and do that's it there. exactly what I did. So 
That's what a lot of them did. That's what back seats in cars were made oh for. Oh my unfortunately. god! And yeah. that's that's why it's so dangerous. The, this attitude of abstinence only, stop it, no, just say no to sex, all that. It's just putting kids in a position of fear of their parents. It's a, it's putting them in the position of fear of going to be able to go to their parents and 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 talk to them about what they're Solve feeling, the problem. what they want, uh, you know, how to best handle this situation, whatever the situation might be. If mom and dad are saying that this is absolutely unacceptable and it's off limits, then the kids are not going to come to that kind of parenting. They're not going to come to parents that are like that to look for uh, advice, and that's going to result in them getting advice from their friends and their peers who really are teenagers and they probably don't know what the hell they're talking about so that could really result in some dangerous situations developing is there more to the story yes if you talk to teens about oral sex they will tell you it's not that big of a deal in fact they don't consider it sex they don't consider a lot of things sex do you consider oral sex sex because when i think sex i think intercourse mostly i guess i really don't. I mean, I consider it some kind of sex, and right, certainly, it's sexual. I'm all, you know, f- from my standpoint, I'm all for it. However, um, I don't consider it to be the same thing. Um, I, I, at the same time, I, I really don't like the idea of my daughter, which I don't have one, just running around, uh, you know, giving oral sex to any guy. More she on finds. the way. Free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, and only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote the show at promote.freetalklive.com. We have got a, a variety of things you can do. Most of them are free or very low cost as far as getting Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. And there are flyers there. So if you are planning on heading out to one of the uh, the Tea Party events tomorrow, go hit up uh, promote.freetalklive.com. Grab one of those flyers, print them out, and hand them out to people. Get some more people on board with this, uh, listening to this show, especially people like that that are just ripe for hearing a freedom message. So head over to promote.freetalklive.com. We're talking about a story, I think it's an ABC News story uh, that Julia has about teens and sex. And of course, uh, whenever those stories are put out, it always gets parents all riled up. Some parents, at least, the ones that uh, want to believe that their children are just little angels and they would never do anything like have sex or oral sex with one another. What I want to know is... If you're a parent out there and you tell your kid that they can't have sex before a certain age or that they shouldn't have sex before a certain age, did you follow that same rule? Mm. Do parents, I feel like most parents forget what it was like to be young. Do as I say, not as I did. Right. Like, well, I made these mistakes, so you you don't get to make these mistakes. You're going to listen up because I should have listened up and like, no. Right. You know, and when it comes down to it. I don't look at the, uh, not that I, I, mind you, didn't start very early, very young, but I don't consider that the, uh, the sex that I had at uh, 17 or 16 or whatever was really a mistake. I, I'm sure it, it, it has been for some kids. I know that having a child before uh, like 18 or 21 it's or whatever a mistake, yeah. is, you know, it's a very good way to not move into the upper income brackets. You're, the chances are good you're going to stay, you're, you're going to remain poor because as a teenager you're poor your parents might have money but you don't Mm -hmm. so you probably won't ever amount to much of anything if you have a kid early there certainly are people that manage to move beyond it but why saddle yourself with that problem no doubt about it 
So what else uh, is there to share here? They're saying that kids are basically saying they're okay with the oral sex. The claim of the article is that oral sex is as popular as kissing. That's what they said, which I think is absolutely a ludicrous claim. And I would love to see the evidence they have to back that up. Um, I think that what they're saying here is that they don't consider oral sex sex. Now, I don't really consider oral sex sex. The only thing I consider sex is sexual intercourse. I consider all of this to be sexual. Um, but, the, but I mean, there's different set steps to a sexual relationship. And if pregnancy is something that you're concerned about, maybe oral sex is a, a good thing. I can remember that when I was a young person, before I was willing to have sex, I was willing to give oral sex because I was concerned with getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I'd pretty much do everything but regular sexual intercourse because it didn't carry the risk of pregnancy. And I don't see why that's a problem, I guess. Yeah, and where is all this going to go? I mean, if if this article succeeds in whipping parents up into a frenzy or a tissy about what their uh, their kids are out there doing, it's it's not going to result in anything positive. If it's just going to anger the parents that are likely to be angered by this information, then they're going to get more paranoid about what their kids are doing. Maybe d- try to be more invasive into their uh, into their teenagers' Which is just going to make their kids rebel more. It's going to push them away, right? Well. There's only one reason why this story is in the news, and it's because sex sells. People see sex in a title, yeah. and they want to read it, and news really is entertainment, not news. So, I mean, that's why they're doing a story on this. This is an old story, too. I mean, the, the idea that teenagers are engaging in sex is a shocking idea has been reiterated time after time, whether it's in the news uh, on ABC News or whether it's, you know, Oprah daytime television interviewing teenage prostitutes. There's always something, uh, there's always another story around the corner about how, oh, my God, these teens are supposed to be so wholesome. But here they are following their instincts. What a shock. In the documentary, Oral Sex is the New Goodnight Kiss, Girls as Young as 11. <laughs> that's ludicrous. Jeez, that's not going to get your documentary any extra views, is yeah. it? Yeah. Girls as young as 11 talk about having sex, going to sex parties, and in extreme situations. Sex parties? Yeah. I. I've, sex parties? No. Yeah, when I was a teenager. Things are different than they were when I was a teenager, I can tell you that. I don't think that anyone, I think it's a party where kids have alcohol and get drunk, and some people end up Hooking up in bedrooms. I, it, maybe someone strips. I don't think that and Sex anywhere. party makes it sound like an orgy or right, something. Right, and I just, just don't believe that to be the case. I went to a lot of parties when I was a teenager, and I never went to any sort of orgy Yeah, but parties. did you go to any when you were 11 years old? No, apparently I missed out on the really good stuff. Let's go to your phone calls here and talk to Mike listening to WIMS in Indiana. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, uh, I'm in my mid-50s and uh, from the free love era, and believe me, we had a lot of sex. <laughs> when, when you were a teenager, you mean? Yeah. You so, know, like they're saying, it's so, uh, the teenagers, oh, this never happened before. Believe right. me, it did. Yeah, it's just some sort of, uh, this kind of mentality that things in the past were somehow different, as though as though people's instincts were uh, not, uh, not acclimated towards re- reproduction or sex 50 years ago. It's ludicrous. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think religion has a lot to do with it. The biggest reason they're down on oral sex is because they claim the Bible says you can't do it, and that's not in there whatsoever. Yeah, the Bible also says you should stone your children when they do something wrong. Well, so well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. so, if you want to uh, live I mean, your life by the Bible, good for you. I'm not saying I do. I'm no, no, no I didn't mean you personally. I meant you know, I'm anyone just saying, who does. 
biblically, and then everyone walks around saying, oh, no, you can't do that. And I always just look at them and say, uh, how come your sin's better than mine? Well said tonight, Mike. Any other thoughts? Nope, that'll do it. Great call. I appreciate hearing from you, and and thank you for, you know, shedding some light on what your experience was like as uh, somebody who's older than uh, everyone in this room, uh, that when he was growing up, there was plenty of sex going on. I mean, that's just how, it's people, man. As you're saying, Julia, it's instinct. It's it's bred, it's born into us. Yep, the hairless monkey's going to sneak off in the woods and hump if they can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and biologically, it makes a lot of sense. How else are we supposed to keep the species alive? Well, now, if there is a difference there uh, that's worth pointing out, it's that now we can communicate more effectively. I was just going to say that. The reason why people may feel like this is now all of a sudden an issue, whereas it wasn't before, is because technology has allowed us to communicate at such a mass and quick scale mm-hmm. that information about people doing this sort of thing from all over the world you have access to, whereas before you were only really... Uh, aware of what was going on in your own town, so it would have right. to be just be hearsay. And it, yeah, it'd be what you'd hear about from other people just bragging or boasting about what their exploits were. Whereas now, young people have the internet at their fingertips, and they can post all of the sexual info they want to about their lifestyles and their desires and things like that, all out in the open for people to read on uh, MySpace and Facebook and wherever else, their blogs. And so accessing the mind of a teenager is much easier now because what used to be just kind of maybe only written about in journals and kept with a lock on it is now available in many cases to the entire world to see. Mm. So it's a uh, there's probably just as much sex going on today as there was 50 years ago. It's just that it's more obvious today. And if that's what's bothering people, they're just going to have to get over it because no amount of shaming these teenagers is going to stop them from wanting to uh, do the old bump and grind. Well, At least now uh, kids have a lot more access to birth control and information so that they can protect themselves and can have safe in a sex or or that's true sex in a safer manner than they could before. Um, So the communication and the availability of the Internet is is a good thing in that way. That's a good point. Maybe that's sort of the other side of things instead of just it being a titillating thing to be able to know what the uh, the sexual habits of teenagers are because of their blog posts or whatever. You you can also know that the other side of that information superhighway is that they have access to good information should they seek it out. If you can't talk to your parents about sex, because most people I know could not talk to their parents about sex. And I have to say I do not respect any adult out there who would call themselves an adult and who you cannot say the S word. Oh, my God. My mom didn't even want me going on a date when I was 13. <laughs> I wouldn't have even known where to start talking about sex with them. No. I, my mom made, made that really awkward, like, from the beginning, and I would never have gone to her about any sexual question ever. Um, this is a little longer uh, in the past for me, but my mother would have allowed me to talk to her about whatever issues I had. However, she didn't make herself a resource because she was uncomfortable with the idea right. of talking about I don't. That's and, something we need to get over. Uh, well, uh, you know, I... Personally, some people. I don't. Over, I yeah. don't want Jack to have sex uh, at a young age because uh, you know you make more mistakes at that time frame, and I don't want him saddled with the responsibility of paying child support for a kid um, mm. when he turns when he's 16 years old. That's just it's crazy. So I, I would prefer him not to. However. I have a pretty good idea of the kind of motivations that Jack's going to have when he's in his teens. And so, therefore, 
I want to be the resource for him to come to and ask questions. And, uh, you know, you ha- that's something you have to create th- through the lifetime of the child. You can't yeah. just start one day. Yeah, you can't just wake up at say, when they're 16 and say, okay, you want to talk about sex? I'm not comfortable talking about that with you. You never talked about it with me ever. We are out of time. It's been a good discussion. Thanks to everybody for participating. Uh, Julia, Mark, thanks for being here. We're off to go hang out with Jason Talley from uh, the Motorhome Diaries. He's Woo-hoo. in town tonight. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to Child Protective Services. You're busted for possession of marijuana. Possession of marijuana. Hi, I'm Barry Cooper, ex-narcotics officer trained by the DEA. My DVD, Never Get Busted, has recently received world attention. I've switched sides and I'm now touring America with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs. Go to Barry's website, NeverGetBusted.com, and order your DVD to Never Get Busted. On it, I'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying. You'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrest on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.